And it's like, it wasn't until I, you know, was in my PhD where I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Like I actually had peace with where I was. I wasn't thinking about my um, dental school rejections or like what my friends were doing. But like, I was like, you know what? Like, this is actually fulfilling. Yeah. I think what also fulfilled me as well was being that face that I didn't have. You know, I remember doing my PhD, I would TA sometimes and I would have black students in like my group and they would be like, Oh my God. I know. They're like, you do your PhD? What? Yeah. And it's just like, I love that because I wish I had someone um, there to put a face to where I could be like, oh wow, PhD is actually something that I could probably do. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Career Slay Talks podcast. I'm Brenda Dogbay, also known as the Career Slay Mala. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Anna Ampau, uh, who is a provost uh, postdoc fellow at the University of Toronto in Mississauga, Canada, where her research on contributing to the oncology drug discovery pipeline by designing and chemically synthesizing small molecule drug leads for rare cancers. Ooh, so um, she is a powerhouse. She's also a two-times alumni from the University of Ottawa, where she obtained her bachelor's and her doctoral degree. And apart from her research, Anna is also very passionate about encouraging women of color to pursue STEM careers and is doing so by publicly advocating for women of color through social media and other media venues. And she's also the founder and executive director of the nonprofit organization Empowering Female Minds in STEM, EFEMS, if I'm saying it correctly. This is an organization that equips women in the continent of Africa with the skills and resources they need to thrive in their STEM careers. So I was so excited to speak uh, with Anna because, again, just from her bio, you can hear of all the, you know, we've got a lot in common in terms of um, STEM background, health background, and um, PhDs, right? So I thought I'd have a bit of a conversation with her today about um, your journey. Can you just share with us um, how you came about, say, your journey from, say, undergrad to PhD? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the Career Slay podcast. Very happy to be here. Um, And yeah, I'll maybe explain a little bit about how I ended up where I am today, because if you asked me 10 years from now, this was not the plan (laughs) at all. It was absolutely not the plan. Um, So initially, when I was in, you know, high school, I think in high school, everyone just tries to figure out what they want to do in life, right? Who they are and where they want to go. Exactly. Because, you know, you have to make a huge decision of what university you want to go to, um, what program you want to apply to. And so that's kind of the situation that I was in where I kind of knew what I liked. Like I just kind of went with the flow, I guess, when it came to just education and just kind of gravitated towards the things that I liked, which was science at that time. So I knew that science was an interest to me, but I didn't really know what you could do with science. Um, The only thing that I knew, and I think this was just from my parents, was that, you know, you can be a doctor, you can be a dentist, like one of those professions. Um, And so I went into undergrad thinking that I wanted to be a dentist. And I started to have this like weird obsession with teeth. I would research about, you know, oral hygiene and teeth and all this kind of stuff. Um, And 
I was like, okay, you know what? I think a dentist, being a dentist is a good job. It's nine to five. You get paid very well. And it's probably not that hard to get in compared to med school. So let me just strive for that. Um, so went through undergrad, did really well um, in terms of, you know, grades. I went to University of Ottawa. Um, I took the biopharmaceutical science program, which I personally loved because it was a nice mis- mix between chemistry and biology. Um, and I liked both at that time. Um, and so did the program, did fairly well. In my third year, that's when I was like, okay, let me start to think of, you know, my application to dental school. So I took the DAT, which is the entry test for dental school, similar to the MCAT. I took it. I did decent, not the best, but I thought it was still pretty well. I did pretty well. Um, And then I applied in my third year. When I applied to all the schools in Canada, I heard nothing, like absolutely nothing back. I was like, okay, it's probably more competitive than I thought, but you know what? It's okay. Like I'm still in third year. Let me just finish my degree in fourth year. Um, you know, bump up my grades, do the DAT again. And that's exactly what I did. I applied um, after my fourth year. Same thing, did really well on the DAT, um, applied to all the schools in Canada and absolutely nothing. No interviews, no callbacks, no emails, nothing. So I was sitting there, graduated. I'm now an, a graduate of, you know, biopharmaceutical science. And I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to do with this degree? <laughs> You know, like what, what can I do? Um, Cause again, I didn't know what you could do with a science degree. Um, and so I was sitting there at the summer after undergrad, wasn't working, didn't really know if I wanted to work in that field. So I was just like contemplating, like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, after talking to a family friend, he was like, you know, why don't you do a master's that will better your chances to get into dental school? I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Let me do a master's. Let me just go into research, right? Um, and so at that time, I really liked chemistry and specifically organic chemistry. And it was always my highest grades when it came to... <laughs> I know you're making that face because everyone's <laughs> like... Organic chemistry? So you loved organic chemistry? Yes, I loved organic chemistry. It was always my highest mark. <laughs> that's funny because I, that's I, I actually, I think I failed organic chemistry the first time. I had to redo it. And oh my goodness. But anyway, yeah. okay. So organic chemistry. So you go over and you're doing this master's program. Yes. Master's at Dalhousie University mm-hmm. um, in organic chemistry. And that's when I first realized that, you know, you could do research as a career before right. I had absolutely no idea. And I think it's just because, you know, I didn't know anyone that was doing it in terms of like our family friends and the people right. that were in my circle or my family circle, no one had like, or no one was doing research in science. Mm-hmm. So to like see that, that was like eye opening to me. Cause I was like, I didn't know that would, would be something that could a possibility. be. Yeah. I didn't know it was a possibility at all. Um, and so doing my master's, I was like, okay, this is not bad. Like it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, um, I like um, uh, researching because you can actually add to a field Right. You know, you're not just studying a field, but you can add your contribution. So I was like, this is kind of cool. Um, but I still had dental school in mind. So okay. even though I was interested in it, I was like, I'm only here just to get into dental school. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my one job. That's so. kind of like me with my master's because I was, I wanted to do medicine and yeah. failed organic chemistry and a couple of other courses. So I was like, I need a back door into medicine. 
And I was like, okay, I, I didn't want to do science, like pure science <laughs> for reasons almost opposite as yours. And I ended up um, going for public health because in that, that time, this was just post SARS, I'm dating myself, but this was just after SARS, just the same with this pandemic where there was a lot of conversation around um, all the different um you know, there was a lot of interest in investing in public health. And mm-hmm. that's how I ultimately ended up going into public health. And I was like, that's actually a neat field. So I ended up staying. So that's quite fascinating from your end. Exactly. Yeah. It's fascinating how we just kind of stumble upon this and we realize right. like, oh, it's actually interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, I finished my master's, did really well, um, published a paper, my first author paper, mm-hmm. my master's. Yeah. Um, and I applied for dental school again. So I did the DAT. This time I did really well. Like my scores were very competitive. Mm-hmm. My mark and my master's were good as well. Okay. I applied, same thing, all the schools in Canada, absolutely nothing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So at that time, that was really disheartening for me because it was a dream and a goal that I had. Yeah. And I just felt like I couldn't um, reach that goal. Fulfill it exactly. But now looking back, I realized that that wasn't the door that I was supposed to walk through. Mm, you know, and I think that's why that door remained closed. Not to say that dental school isn't um, difficult to get into, it is, but I know a lot of people that were successful in getting into dental school and becoming amazing dentists. But right. I just don't think that's the path that God had for me. Right. Um, and I think that's why it was a redirection. It was a redirection, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, after that last time of applying, I'm like, you know, that's the last time I'm going to have to find something else to do. <laughs> it's amazing because we had very similar stories as far as medicine was concerned, because I was always like medicine from when I think I was 12. And I'm like, medicine, 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 Every, all roads were leading to medicine. And then I applied, I think, two, three times. And I remember um, the last time I applied, it was to McMaster because they had a bit of a non-traditional program. And I was basically like, if I don't get in this time, I'm burying this dream mm-hmm. and it's good. And I'll be fine in my life if I don't do that. And it's the same thing that it ended up being a redirection. And I, I in retrospect, I'd have made a horrible doctor. Because, <laughs> you know, you look back and I'm like, I like my sleep. I um, yeah. I'm kind of grossed out by blood. Like, and at that time, I'd really built up my, um, you know, when you're all in invested in a dream, you're, you're all in. Yeah. But after the fact, I was like, yeah, that would have been a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's very important um, to be able to pivot as yes. well, you know, yes. and I think that's, that's something that both, yeah, that we both did where it's like, you know, we put our all in this, we really tried, but right. it's just not for us. So we're going to have to pivot into something else that's and leave right. that behind and try mm-hmm. to reach something else, which I don't think is a failure. I don't count it no. as a failure at all. I just yeah. think it's a, it's a change in direction. That's Absolutely. all. So you're like, okay, by dental school, did, did you, had you thought of PhD at this point in time or no? No. Okay. So I was just happy with the master's. I was like, yeah. this is huge. Like I have a I'm master's good. in chemistry. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, and you would think that like, you know, you're good to apply places and get jobs. And so that's what I was doing. I was applying mm-hmm. To places. Um, but then again, I still didn't really know what you could do with a master's in chemistry. True. So 
even when I was applying, I didn't even really know where to apply to. I was applying as maybe just like a research scientist or like formulation scientist, that kind of thing. Um, But I didn't know that there were other options for me at that time. So when I was applying, um, I got, I think maybe like one interview or something, but everything else, I didn't really hear anything back. So after my master's, I moved back home to Ottawa, which is where my parents are. Mm -hmm. And I started um, teaching piano and I worked at Starbucks and tutoring. And so, yeah. And so that's what I was kind of doing just to make money at that time and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, And I did that for about seven months after I completed my master's. Uh Um, And there was one day where I was on campus, so my undergraduate campus, because I was tutoring a student. And I went to go see a professor that I did co-op with in undergrad, just to just say hi, because just to reconnect with him. So um, I went to his office, we chatted. He was just like, oh, like, what are you up to? And I'm like, "Mm, nothing really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and he was like, well, you know, you were a great student. Um, I have an opening as a P- for a PhD student. Interesting. Um, I would be happy to have you in my lab. You know, yeah. and so I told him I would think about it because I'm like, PhD, like, first of all, I don't know anyone doing a PhD in science. Interesting. Second of all, that's like four years of your life. <laughs> At least. <laughs> At least four years of your life. Like, do I want to make that other commitment? You yeah. Know? So I went home, I thought about it. Obviously, I told my parents, they're like, yeah, PhD. Parents, they're like school and more school, right? Exactly. They were yeah. like all for it. Um, and so after thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing anything else, at least with a PhD that will keep myself busy and will give me more opportunities afterwards. This, this is so amazing because that's literally exactly how I got into my oh, PhD okay. program. So for <laughs> me, I was done masters. Then, then I had um, a year uh, contract in government, which I did. But mm. this was during that recession, 2008 recession. So yeah. then after that, no jobs. I couldn't get anything. Did some odd things here and there post-masters. Yeah. And then I'm like, single, no husband, no kids. Yeah. Let's do more school. And so... Yeah. <laughs> I think it was somebody too who I'd met through I, uh, my master's program who we chatted and she was like, I'm doing research, come and do a PhD. I was like, well, okay. Yeah. Um, so that's so fascinating. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So the stories are so similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So-, so you're like, okay, fine. Bye piano. Hello, PhD. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just want to pause here and just say that if you notice with my story, like, I really put in the minimum effort in terms of applying to master's and PhD. Like for my master's, I applied in August. Okay. For For September September programs. Yeah. And typically for master's, you apply latest January, February, you know? So I applied September or August and I emailed the prof. I applied to the school and within a month I was in and I flew over to Nova Scotia. Right. my PhD, I didn't even apply. It was a conversation that got me in. Yeah. You know, like I had to do the bare minimum. And so that just shows that like whatever is for you is actually for you. you I know. know. I you know, I you're so right about that. For me, when I was doing my master's, I wanted to actually go to the UK. So I, I did not apply to Canadian schools because I'm like, I'm not saying I was an international student at the time. I'm like, I'm not staying here. Just to guarantee that, I'm just not going to apply. 
every single school I applied to turned me down. And mm-hmm. I was like, and and the, the funny thing, so I was in global health. And the reason they turned me down was that I did not have global health experience. I'm like, dude, born and raised in Kenya, like use the system, the health system that we're trying to fix here. And I don't have experience. Yeah. So that really left a sour taste. And then I was trying to figure myself out. And I crossed, I met one of my profs and she was like, hey, there's this new public health program at Simon Fraser. And I was like, yeah, no, not interested. I'm leaving Canada. Um, but then that was before I got the rejections. And after getting all the rejections, I'm like, about that program, <laughs> is there? So, so, and that was the one school I applied to, got in. And same thing with PhD. I wasn't really shopping for schools. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to know that too, because um, folks just think that, you know, like you've got this whole life plan and, you know, you had, you know, by, by this age, I'm going to have my master's. I'm going to have my PhD. But a lot of these things really happen organically and I think God just orders the steps of people into your life that exactly. take you to d- this step and that step and it's 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 such a I'm glad you really emphasize that because it happens often right oh yeah definitely yeah and it's like it wasn't until I you know was in my PhD where I was like this is where I'm oh, supposed to be. yeah you know like I actually had peace with where I was I wasn't thinking about my um, dental school rejections or like yes. what my friends were doing. But like, I was like, you know what? Like, this is actually fulfilling. Yeah. And I think what also fulfilled me as well was being that face that I didn't have. Right. You know, like, I remember doing my PhD, I would TA sometimes and yeah. I would have black students in like my group yeah. and they would just be like, oh my God. Like, I know. They're yeah. like, you do your PhD? What? Yeah, you know? and it's just like I love that because I wish I had someone yes. um, there to put a face to where I could be like, oh That's wow, true. PhD is actually something that I could probably That's do. True. Yeah, you know, that I and I feel like maybe you know that would have opened my opportunities or opened my chances and everything. Um, sure. Yeah, so. Uh, that's the one thing that I found really fulfilling as well as research as well. You know, mm-hmm. research is very interesting. Like I said, it's something that you, an opportunity that you get to add to a field right. in undergrad, you're just learning about a field and then, you know, kind of regurgitating that information in terms right. of like tests and exams in and then out. And then, and then out. yeah. But with masters and PhD with grad school, you actually get to, add to the field, you get to come up with a hypothesis, you know, and research into it, and then write a thesis at the end of Mm -hmm. the day. And that's, or even papers that you get to publish. So um, it's just really interesting and really neat that you get to contribute to a field that you love at the end of the day. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit then about um, let's talk a little bit about grad school and then talk more about um, the NGO that you set up, because I, I really want to hear about how you went about that. And is there a link with your grad path? Yeah. Um, so grad school, I thought was um, interesting, but difficult. Okay. Okay. So it kept me going because, you know, with research, it's always the next thing. You always want to find out the next thing. Yeah. But it was difficult for a number of reasons. It was difficult because of the environment I was in, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was the only Black female in my um, in my department up until, mm-hmm. I think, my last year. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. And the whole department? The whole department, yeah. Up until the last year. 
um, when I saw another black girl, I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, I think even to pause there, just to say what that does for us, because mm -hmm. I I don't know that people fully um, internal, like non-black people, or at least people who are not people of color, just to be the one, the only, I think I had an episode where I was talking to, to someone about the lonely only, right? Yeah. You're solo and you're, it, it, you have to be your mentor. You have to be your, yeah. you know what I mean? Your vision of where you could go because you're not seeing those role models, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's very true. And you know, um, and I think also because I didn't know anyone doing a right. PhD. So like you said, mentorship, I think is so important. And I didn't realize that until maybe my third to fourth year. Right. right. So I was trying to navigate my first, second year, all by myself, trying to manage, you know, research, TAing, classes, right. just everything. And I had no one to talk to, no one to uh, seek advice from. Not mm-hmm. saying that my supervisor wasn't great, but like he had a lot on his plate. Limited too, right? Like yeah, he he's won't be able to relate to your black female, you know, first gen or whatever experience at this institution, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it was very difficult in that sense. Um, and even just the fact of not having a community, you know, people always say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to get through a PhD. It really does. You need that support system. Mm -hmm. Um, And you need people that have been through that and can definitely relate to you and give you tips on like how to navigate navigate. through this section, what to do next, how to structure your research plan and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something that I didn't have. So my first and second year were very difficult. I would say very difficult. Things weren't working in terms of, you know, my projects. Um, even my lab was a little seg- segregated as well. There's a lot of times where I felt very lonely, no one to relate to, no one to talk to. And so at that point, I made it an effort to go and look for a community because I was like, you know, I can't live create like me a community. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I can't live like this yeah. <laughs> anymore. Like, I really can't get through this. And I needed an outlet. And so my sister gave me the idea of posting on Instagram, just like day in the lives and talks about, you know, science, making science cool, um, kind of showing what I do in the lab. And I'm like, that's an amazing idea because I've never seen, like before I was here, I never knew what a PhD entailed. Right. Right. So that's what I started to do. So I started an Instagram page that just kind of like I did post about, you know, what I did in the lab, about cool science stuff. Um, And through that, it opened me to a whole huge community of other black women in science. Nice. So that I was really grateful for because I didn't know that other people like me existed. Yeah. Right. So it was through social media that I found that community. Um, I love and, social media for that. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And a lot of times, like people would post about their struggles and things that they're going through. And yeah. I was just so shocked. I was like, I'm going through this exact same thing. You right. know, like finally I have someone that I can relate to, someone mm-hmm. that actually understands what I'm going through. Right. right. So I really love social media for that. Um, I did my Instagram page for about like two to three years. I'm not too, too active on Instagram anymore. I always (laughs) think that I want to revisit and like keep it going, but like, it's just a lot of work. (laughs) Time and work. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But during that time, like that was my outlet, you know, and that's 
kind of where I found community. So I think that things started to kind of turn upwards in my third to fourth year of my PhD, mm-hmm. where I started getting more confidence, you know, yes. more confidence in my abilities. And um, I started fighting off the imposter syndrome because, again, I never like I didn't know like, I know I had imposter syndrome, but I couldn't put a label to it. I didn't know that it was imposter syndrome. Right, right. You know, until social media where everyone was talking about imposter syndrome. You're like, great, that's what I'm going through. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not the only one. So, yeah, so that that really, really helped me. I would say that if it wasn't for social media, I don't know how I would have <laughs> gotten through yeah. uh, my my PhD with sanity. Right, would, right, right. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your NGO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my NGA, NGO was birthed out of that whole period of frustration. Right. Um, going through my PhD because I was like, you know what? I looked back. Um, so I start, let me backtrack. Okay. I started it during the pandemic. Um, and during the pandemic, we couldn't go into the lab. So I did a lot of like reflecting and just like, you know, passion projects and stuff. Um, and I was thinking about, you you did your PhD, like you completed it during the pandemic, right? Yeah, I completed it during the pandemic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of like, you know, just thinking and I'm like, you know, um, community really, really helped me to get through, you know, to where I am today. And right. so I remember, I think it was either through social media or YouTube. I saw a video of um, just kind of the situation in Ghana specifically mm-hmm. um, about how women were being discouraged from going into STEM programs, um, even how, you know, some of their professors were taking advantage of them, mm-hmm. um, even how they had to pay for their own chemicals. to do research, you know, like over here, we have funding where if I want to use a chemical for a reaction, I just go into the cupboard and I use it. It's not coming to my pocket. Um, In some schools, I don't know if this is all schools, but in some schools, they actually need to pay out of pocket for Mm -hmm. their chemical in order to complete the research project. Wow. Right. So it's a lot different there with uh, limited resources, Mm -hmm. um, limited funding, and also that kind of gender disparity where there's not a lot of women going into STEM because they're discouraged. Right. So just based of my, off of my personal experiences, I was like, what can I do to help? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the best way was um, to kind of do what helped me, which was create this community of African women in STEM so that nice. they know that they're not alone and yeah. also to provide different resources and opportunities for them. So mm-hmm. that's how eFEMS was birthed. Um, and when I first thought of eFEMS, I did not think of nonprofit. I was right. like, let me just do a small boot camp. I just wanted to do a professional development boot camp because I'm right. like, you know, during my PhD, there were a lot of things that I was expected to know, like how to write a research paper, right. how to do a presentation, how to public speak, and all of these things that I learned by failure. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it would make um, someone's life so much easier if these things were taught so they can go into grad school feeling confident about these different skills. Right. Um, so I wanted to do a professional development boot camp. And that just spiraled into a nonprofit because it got a lot of interest. Um, I did a post on Twitter and a lot of people wanted to help out and donate and everything. And um, then, yeah, I just spun out into a nonprofit. So that's kind of what we've been doing for the past two to three years um, is that we've been doing different programs. So we have a mentorship program, for example, where we pair 
undergraduate and graduate African um, uh, STEM students, and we pair them with professionals or someone that's mm. you know higher or more advanced in their career, just right. to help them you know as they go throughout school. Um, we also have professional development boot camps, mm-hmm. and we did our first in-person one last year, which was nice. very exciting. We went to yeah. Ghana, and oh, nice. Yeah, we held a three-day boot camp where we invited speakers to teach on different skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really beautiful. And it was kind of beautiful to see everything come together and see the women come together and mm-hmm. form new friendships, new sisterhoods and everything. Yeah. And even just and talk about- are all PhDs or are they like, what was the level of the the women? So it was anywhere from undergraduate to graduate school. Okay. There were some PhD students and there were some undergrads as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was just very, very beautiful to see. And um, we even had scholarships in the past, too, where we funded um, two students in university as yeah. well. So that's yeah. something that we're trying to keep up to do for the next mm-hmm. coming years. Um, but, yeah, it's something that really fulfills me and I, I love doing it. Nice. So mm-hmm. what advice do you have for someone who's thinking of grad school, whether it's at the master's or the Ph.D. level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say that grad school, like I said, is a very um, great opportunity. You know, it's a rare opportunity where you get to contribute to a field, like I said before. Um, but like I said, it's also very challenging as well. So I would definitely say going into it um, before that, I would really seek out mentorship from someone who has gone through that process because um, it will make your life so much easier like so, so much easier. Um, and also choose something that you love to do that you're very interested in, because if you're doing a PhD, that's for four years minimum. <laughs> minimum. The, minimum. I'm getting into our program. They're like the average, the national Canadian average is seven years. I'm like, you could have put that on your website. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like it took yeah. me about five years, like a little under five years to complete Right. My so, right? yeah. so, yeah, so you really need to choose a topic that you're passionate about, not something that like you kind of like or you're kind of interested in, but something that will keep you going, even if experiments fail, you know. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that would definitely be my advice. Seek out mentorship and do something that you love. So where can we where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on all social media outlets. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my ha- my handle is at Anna the Chemist, or sorry, at Anna underscore the Chemist. Um, also on LinkedIn, you can find me at Anna Ampaw, my full name. Um, yeah, and you can reach out if you want. I'm always happy to chat. And what about your your NGO? Right. And so my NGO, um, we have a website. It's uh, www.empoweringfems.com. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Empowering Fems. Um, and then on LinkedIn as well, Empowering Female Minds and Step. Nice. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Um, I'm sure our audience has learned a lot, especially about that Um, I think a couple of my takeaways are be ready to pivot and then, you know, trust the journey and the process and, um, you know, redirection is not a bad thing. If things are not going well, sometimes where you're redirected to is actually better than what you were initially thinking about. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Thank Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Glad to. Glad to. Okay. Until next time.